This is the Frank and Friends Show. Hi there, I'm Frank Murphy. I'm Todd Steed. Todd Steed is amazing from Todd Steed and the Sons of Fear. Uh, you're the first person that's ever pronounced that the way I envision it being pronounced. Thank With all of that fuh? Yeah, that was, always, that was always the idea, but people just go straight and say fear, but it's really fear. <laughs> Well, Todd is well known in the Knoxville community for being on WOT for how many years now? I uh, started in uh, 2006. Wow, congratulations. That's yeah. fantastic. So you're coming up on, what was that, uh, doing the math, that's 17 years, right? Wow. Yeah. That's hard to believe. Yeah. Well, excellent. And uh, also you're here because uh, you've been inducted, you're being incarcerated, you're being chosen, you're being uh, implemented. <laughs> I think inducted is the word I'm looking for, into the East Tennessee Writers Hall of Fame. And congratulations. Thank you very much. I, I, I was an honor to be indicted. I, indi <laughs> I think that's the... Indicted, inducted. All, all the things you said. Yes, induced. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's a fantastic event. And I know you have emceed that ceremony in the years past, as have I. Right. And um, they asked me to come back and do it again this year. And in fact, the Frank and Friends show is a media sponsor of the, uh, the gala event, which is on Friday, March 24th at the um, Foundry at the World's Fair Park site. And I know it's a Friday because uh, my wife said I was going to order the chicken. And my wife said, you can't have the chicken. It's a Friday during Lent. So I'm ordering the, so this is like, there's six days a year where I'm vegetarian. <laughs> and this is one of them, that'll be one of them. I'll be policing you on that. Oh, evening. please I'll, do. I'll be looking at your plate and uh, seeing if you're following the protocols. Well, as, as I'm sending in the, the note, checking the box and sending it in, I'm reminded that actually I did this last year also and had the vegetarian meal. And it was fine. It was delicious. I mean, it's the foundry. They have great food. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to all of it. And uh, it'll be fun to do something uh, with so many wonderful folks. It's just a great collection. And you support the cause, too. Oh, the cause is, is the reason for the season. I, I, the Friends of Literacy, is, that's near and dear to me. That's, mm -hmm. They do great work. And I love that they do this particular event. And it's also yeah. a nice fundraiser. It is a, a great fundraiser for them. I mean, they used to do the bachelor auction. <laughs> and I, um, I don't know what I was supposed to do at the bachelor auction one year, except show up and walk on stage and represent uh, the company I was working for, which was one of the sponsors. And it was, I mean, I was so out of place. <laughs> it was a raucous <laughs> event. That event that has been sunsetted. It's not, but the, uh, meanwhile, the Hall of Fame induction, the, the East Tennessee Writers Hall of Fame has risen because it used to just be a luncheon. It used to be the secondary fundraiser. Right. And it was a nice luncheon, and they'd have it over at the Lighthouse or someplace, and it was lovely. But um, now they make a much bigger deal about it, and you'll have not only just announcing the winners, but some of the uh, past uh, inductees will read their works, or in the case of our um, mutual acquaintance Scott Miller, yeah. he'll perform. And uh, what are you doing? Are you going to be you're being inducted? Are you doing anything in addition to that? Uh, if they ask me, you know, I, I can serve food. I can clean plates. I was a busboy at Regus uh, and Red Lobster, so I've got kind of a, a, a dual approach to busing tables, whatever they need. Well, I mean, was, I guess in future years, they'll maybe oh. ask you back to sing. Yeah. So you can sing the East Town Mall song or something. That's always, uh, that's always a crowd pleaser. And, and I think I can get away with doing East Town Mall for another couple of years, and eventually people are going to go, what? what is yeah, that? you'll have to rewrite it to be uh, Amazon Shipping Facility. That doesn't have the same... Uh, uh, there's got to be something that rhymes with Amazon. I mean, there's got to be, <laughs> you know, Barbizon, no. Uh, anyway. Tef Teflon. Oh, that's good. 
Well, tell us about yourself. Go back a little bit. Um, you've lived all over the place. You've been obviously here in Knoxville, you know, for a significant amount of time. Yeah. What's your life story? Where'd you start? Uh, I started at uh, St. Mary's Hospital. Yes, which is no longer there. You could write a song about that. Yeah, uh, all the places. That, you know, that's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, I'm, this is that's how I know. Idea. All right, this is my idea. I'll give you this for the song. This is how I know I've lived in a place a long time. And I'm 20, now coming up on 21 years in Tennessee. Because when you first move to town, anywhere, people will say, oh, you know, it's where that old oak tree used to be that was hit by the, the lightning. You're like, okay, it's a tree and it's not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll say, well, you know, it's where um, the old food, the old Bilo was, or the old Food City was, or the old whatever. And now in this case, the old St. Mary's Hospital, the old East Town Mall, the old thing. And that's kind the of old a way. Cumberland Avenue. Yes. You know. But that's what I mean. There's, there's a way, it's a way of giving uh, driving directions yeah. before we all, we all went Google Maps. Um, uh, it, and it would be, you know, it's where the old blank was. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm going to go ahead and put this, uh, uh, make this official. So for next year's Hall of Fame ceremony, if they, if they actually ask me back to play after hearing this idea, <laughs> I'm going to do a song called, I'm going to write a song only to be performed that evening based upon this interview, and it's going to be called Everywhere is Gone. Oh, see, this is great. Can I get like a quarter bit of credit for that? You can get. If, if, are you I'll wanting royalties or? Just no, credit? I'm not worried about that. I just, okay. I just, I thought it'd be cool to say that I had the only songs I've ever written before have been parody songs for the Front Page Follies. So I'm taking someone else's tune right. and changing the words to make them about a politician or about a, a Knoxville news event. But I mean, if I actually, I've made giving you a couple of suggestions. I could send you a few more and say, see if you work any of these hit. And then, you know. Yeah, let's do it. That's fun. All right. I'd be yeah. just a, a, not even a co-writer. It would be like. Inspired by. A, you know, like Inspired what would be. Frank Murphy. Not the semis, but the, not the quarters. But, you know, like it'd be down the, down the bar a little bit. You'll be Ringo to my McCartney. He's, he's the one, you know, said, hey, it's been a hard day's night. And then McCartney goes, I'll be right. And John Lennon, I'll be right back. And uh, there's a song. That's it. That's so everywhere is gone. It oh, sounds see, this like is a, terrific. It sounds like a song that will write itself. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to play it next year. <laughs> I'm going to write it. And it's going to be. A real song. It's going to have words and music in it. All the you know, and even if they don't want you, the lobby at the foundry is big enough that you could just set up and do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm a parking lot. <laughs> I'm not, not proud. Well, you're a huge Beatles fan, and that influenced mm. you. Um, but you said you were born in St. Mary's Hospital. That's as far as we got so far. Yeah, and and, and then you induced that song. While I did I was induce being, while I was being induced. Yeah, they call it the Potosin Drip. Yes. That's another song title for you. We got an album, <laughs> an EP in the works. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was born there. Uh, I didn't want, I didn't want to come out. Uh, I was. A, oh, I was, you're one of those guys. Yeah, I was. I think three or four weeks late, then they had to come in and get me. Oh. And I was like, that's you know, that's a yeah. pattern. But yeah, so I grew up here. Went to Pond Gap. Yeah. Elementary, Bearden, that whole route. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I saw um, in your bio this mysterious chunk where it says he traveled the world and listed a bunch of continents. And I'm like, well, that's vague. Yeah. <laughs> what did you do on all these other continents? You know, I had a real, I had that itch from the time I was just a, a, a wee lad. I, I really, I mean, I just, it was there from as, as far back as I can remember. I was like, I want to go see... You know, I'll start with the North City, uh -huh. and then I'm going to branch out. You know, we're going to get out in Loudoun County, and then we're going to go from there. But uh, you know, as a kid, we we took a lot of trips to see relatives, Alabama, Georgia, yeah. 
Texas, and that was, a, you know, that's a, and I was just, even those were just amazing. To sure, me. sure. So I just, I promised myself when I turned 18 or 21, I think it ended up being, that I was going to start hitting one country a year. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's what I started doing. And how, uh, how far did you get in that, or do you still go uh, take vacations in exotic locales? Yeah, I, somewhere along the way I came to a, a, an, a realization and, and a mild epiphany that that's kind of a weird way to do it. I'd rather just maybe go back to places I really love over and over. Oh, okay. But I, I got up to about 50, 51 countries. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did that with the U.S. states where every vacation it was like, let's go. We got to make sure I get to all 50 states because I'd set myself a deadline and we're going to make it to all 50 states. And so my wife and I would do these plans where we'd look at the map and try to put the puzzle pieces together and say, well, if we fly to Wyoming and drive to um, Montana and Idaho and Washington, that's that's a that's a seven shape. But it's one, two, you know, three, four states right there. Boom. How's Wyoming? I was. I would like to go back there because now I have a list. Having been to the fifty states, yeah, it's, of it's actually really cool actually. places to return. And I would say um, Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire would be one. Uh, Coeur d'Alene in Idaho would be one, and Jackson Hole slash Yellowstone in Wyoming would be one. I mean, we could have spent our entire vacation, a week, two weeks, inside Yellowstone National Park and never seen the same thing twice. It's that big and it's that diverse with all the, you know, whether you, we saw, we saw Old Faithful twice by accident because we had lunch. <laughs> we stopped for lunch at the restaurant next to Old Faithful. I'm like, oh, there, there, there it goes again. It's still there. It's good. <laughs> so yes, I would love to go back to Wyoming. That was interesting to me. You know, Jackson Hole is like the Hamptons of the Tetons. That makes sense. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I've never been. I've never been there. I would recommend it. I think it's it's just neat and interesting, and you know, but ev everywhere is neat and interesting. I mean, that's part of the yeah. beauty. I'm sure you can tell me this better than I can. Is that no matter, no matter where you go, you can either be bored out of your mind, or you can decide that this is the most interesting place I've ever been and enjoy it. I was talking to my friend Bill uh, Ben Hall, and uh, who's he was uh, a Monday night improvisations host a while back, and lives in Denver now. I was out there doing the the improvisations to go podcast in Denver, and and we got we were having a similar conversation about you know how how much fun it is to go to new places and do things, and Ben was saying asked me he's like, do you ever treat Knoxville like that? Mm, and, great point. And I was like. I think I do sometimes, but not enough. And so that's since I've been home, and during the pandemic, I started really exploring Knoxville and in East Tennessee a lot more, and, and Smoky Mountains a lot more. Yeah. And I've just been... Well, you did an interview it. with our mutual friend, Melanie Dodson, who does the, the midday concert, or the morning concert, it's yeah. called, on WOT, about her hiking, not just in the Smokies, but she did the... She's doing, you know, trails upon trails, but I think she accomplished every trail inside the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Every single one. So you've done the 50, you set a goal to do 50 states. Yeah, she, she set a goal to do every trail in the Smokies. Her did. goal is much more difficult than mine. But both of you completed your goals. So I had a goal to go to a new country every year. That failed. I had a goal to go to all the baseball parks in the United States. I got to 15 and went, well, I'd just rather go to <laughs> San Francisco four times. So I don't know. I'm, I'm having trouble like checking things. I off. thought about that with the baseball parks for a while because I grew up in New York and my dad would take me to the Mets games at Shea Stadium. Oh, wow. And over the years, I'd, I'd 
went to see the Mets play in a couple of different places, um, or you know, I went to see them in Chicago, or I went to see them in Milwaukee, um, would go to visit my friend Bean when he was living in San Francisco, so we went to Candlestick Park, which was still extant at the time, and then I, we lived in LA for a while, so you go to Dodger Stadium, you know, I mean, I, I, the whole time I lived in Washington, D.C., there was no baseball team. They were just, every, just whine and moan the whole time. It was a constant, yeah. we need baseball back in D.C., bring baseball back in D.C. And that movement never gave up, never gave up. And, of course, obviously, then the, the Nats are there now. And I remember we actually went to a spring training game. I'm saying this because you love baseball. I adore baseball. Um, I wanted to see the Nats so badly that we went to a spring training game in Florida, Nationals versus Mets, their very first season. And in the gift shop, they were still selling Montreal Expos memorabilia. That's, that's how. <laughs> oh, grab some of that. How I'll fresh they were. Of you if you have it. <laughs> I got cash right now. If you got any Montreal Expos, I do not. I didn't care for the Expos. I mean, I thought you know, I don't know. I was a Mets fan. You know, I, I don't blame you. I liked all the all those National League teams. So I have. I started thinking. Well, I'll buy a fitted cap. That'll be my splurge. I'll buy a San Francisco fitted cap and a Chicago fitted cap. And then, and then I got to the point where I'm like, I can't afford this. No more, nor do I want to go to every Major League Baseball park anymore because this is at the time when they are now opening up new ones. So you can't keep up. No. You, and and, and, and if, if, I, if I get to even like 27 or 28, they're going to they're gonna have expansion teams. And Well, no matter where you go, I mean, expensive. you know, uh, I'm... I think I think my dad. I'm almost positive my dad took us to. I know I went to Baltimore to see a an Orioles game, and with my dad, he was doing the public relations for uh, National Bohemian that year. So we went to some kind of autograph signing in the bullpen before the game, and this is the late 1960s, early 1970s. So you can imagine it's Frank Robinson and Brooks Rob, Brooks Robinson are sitting there, and probably Boog Powell and maybe a few of the others, right? Maybe Jim Palmer, and they're signing. Um, you know, posters. And it was exciting. And then we go to the game. Um, but I'm sure that was before Camden Yards. It had to be the old Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. Yeah. So then you think, oh, well, I'll go to a, a, a well, I can't check Baltimore off the list because they've got a new stadium and so on. The Nets have a their new stadium. Everybody's got a new stadium since the last time I went, except for the Dodgers and the Cubs. They still. That's right. Anyway. I'm still trying to figure out how to get to go see a game in Candlestick. I just don't think I can figure it out. Do they. What do they do there anymore? Do they have hockey? I mean, hockey, soccer or something there? It's just a empty lot. It's just an empty lot. I think they're going to put condos there. So maybe oh. I'll go to see the condos. It was cold. The wind was whipping. Yeah, that's where there's the Beetle intersection because that was their last concert as a touring unit. And they were cold. And, you know, Willie Mays and all those people talked about uh, how cold it was there. It's funny because... When they sold the idea to San Francisco, they took them all out there around one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. The sun was shining. Oh, this is man. beautiful. Yeah. And of course, the games, you know, not always played at one o'clock. And then <laughs> when, when they started playing, the evening winds came in. It was apparently miserable. So, yeah. So yeah. I guess it's okay I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fa father's favorite team was the New York baseball and football Giants. He was a Giants man all the way through. So his heart was broken when they left town. Yeah. And that's why he raised me as a Mets fan so that I would be a National League fan. And I think... So, so your heart could be broken in other ways. Other ways. Like just by losing so much. Exactly. 1969, Miracle Mets. That was my year. I loved it so much. I could tell you all the, the whole roundup, the whole lineup. Up that that year um, but we would mostly go to see um san francisco giants games so because willie mays was back to new york and he was playing That's against right. the mets or um 
Are you Juan, Juan Marichal. I can picture Juan Marichal on the mound. And this is old-timey baseball talk. I don't know who's going to really... I guess I'll put that in the description. Watch old, out. Old-timey baseball talk. Warning. It's about, <laughs> we're about to stop. Uh, who's your favorite player? And I'll, 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 when I was a kid, it was Ron Swoboda. Wow. And I don't know why. It's wow. just something... The I'm, name. Yeah, that's probably it. You know, I could pronounce it. But I mean, I, I liked Mike, of course, Tom Seaver, Jerry, I mean, Nolan Ryan, um, the pitching staff, Jerry Kuzman. These guys, these were my guys, you know, the 1969 Miracle Mets. That's incredible. Ed Charles on third base, Bud Harrelson. I mean, I got them all. I got them all still in my head. They'll, they'll always be there for you. Now, the, I, can't, I stopped. At some point, I just had to give up. My friend Bean was talking about how they've changed baseball, made the bases bigger, and added a pitch clock. Correct. To make the game go faster. And I thought, you know, I have moved on so far in my life that I don't have time to sit and watch. I don't want, have the interest to sit and watch a game on television ever again. I'll go to a minor league game and have a great time. But I can, couldn't tell you who won. Doesn't I can tell you that I went to see the Smokies and the Trash Pandas, and I had a lovely time. <laughs> Not meaning vacation. No, I went, to, I went uh, yesterday, I went out to watch the Vols play. Oh, uh, now that's now that's watching the Tennessee Vols baseball. Did you get employee tickets? In the old days, which was four years ago, five years ago, with a staff ID, they just let you in and you could sit wherever you wanted that was open. Ah, oh, see, that's um, good stuff. But now we're winning, and so I, I just buy tickets. <laughs> but it's um, it's a lovely afternoon at Lindsay Nelson Park, who was the play-by-play announcer for the 1969 Mets. That's right, Lindsay Nelson. What a brilliant. What a great, what an amazing. I, would, I bet you wish he was here right now. Well, he's dead. Maybe that wouldn't be a good idea. Zombie Nelson, no, he'd be fine. Okay. I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that that was my, the kids who grew up listening to Vin Scully in Los Angeles or Harry Carey in Chicago, I grew up listening to Lindsay Nelson, Ralph Kiner, and Bob Murphy. To me, those are forever enshrined, along with the Mets of the, mostly the 70s, but 69 forward. Forever enshrined as my baseball fandom, and I'm done. I'm like, I'm, I'm check that box. Beautiful. All right. Well, I'm also a big fan of another uh, famous UT person. I mean, you're, you're there at WUOT, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone knows when they think the University of Tennessee, you think the Vols. Now you think the Lady Vols, the basketball Vols, the baseball Vols. You know, all those sports that used to be in the shadow are now preeminent. Yeah. And I think it's fantastic. But the other thing you might think of is the world-famous Body Farm, founded by the great Dr. Bill Bass, 94 and a half years old. Love him. Um, and this is the new Body Farm t-shirt. It looks like the old Body Farm t-shirt, but wait, there's more. It has <gasps> long sleeves. And on the back, well, here, it's got, it got the, first you got the skull, you got the whole thing on there, Dr. Bill Bass. And then in the back here, um, we've got the name of all the books and bonezones.com don't forget the s uh where you can get autographed dr bill bass merchandise they uh they went over to his house um last week and taking him to sign a bunch of stuff because they'll personalize it to you if you ask you know here's some books sign this to todd steed you know and there's all sorts of things you can get whether it's the dr bill bass groupie hat excellent um in in multiple colors Uh, i'm a fan of the skulls. Now, these ones are the fancy ornate uh, paperweight type skulls available in gold and silver, signed by Dr. Bass across the, um, uh, was that called the supraorbital ridge? 
I know, right? That's not what I call it, but... Uh, I, well, the, the, it's above, orbital is I, and supra is above, and it's yeah. a ridge, so you get this, this ridge. Um, Sharps Ridge is what I call it. <laughs> that's a good name for it. Yeah. So, the, uh, they also, we, we have these resin skulls uh, that are bigger and um, made to look more realistic. You know, they're, they're like, I don't know. I wouldn't even describe them as a Halloween decoration because they're too expensive and too nice for that. But if you want to have, like, it's almost like if you were doing Hamlet and you needed to hold up Yorick's head, you would buy one of these maybe. And uh, Dr. Bass has those and he signs those too. You can get them, you know, right across the cranial sutures or any number of things. I got to tell you, um, I took his uh, class <gasps> when I was at UT. You uh, did? Yeah, his anthropology class. Loved it. Also, and I promised I wasn't going to talk about baseball anymore, but that was a fabrication. Um, or an accident. I played baseball with his son. Oh, which one? Uh, Billy. Okay. Yeah, Billy Bass. He's got three sons. Yeah, I played uh, baseball with Billy. And um, and here's another uh, Dr. Bass thing. Uh, we mentioned the travels. I've been in other countries, and people say, where are you from? And I say, Knoxville, Tennessee, and I, you know, or, or East Tennessee, you know, whatever I think is going to get some recognition or... You know, I'm from the eastern part of the United States, if I don't think they're going to know. Yeah, me. yeah. But I, and I've had at least a half a dozen people over the years say, isn't that where the body farm is? Isn't yes. that where Dr. Bass is? And then I say, yeah, I played baseball with his son and took his anthropology class. And, oh, then, and then we sit down and we talk. And, and uh, there, he's got fans. Oh, yeah. He's got fans in Namibia. He's got fans in Lithuania. He's got fans... In his house, like ceiling fans. Yes, and it keeps them on. Yeah, it likes yeah. to. Yeah, it's nice. Just keep it cool to keep the, you know this from. Well, I mean, one of the stories that uh, I was at the Rose Glen Literary Festival over the weekend, telling some Dr. Bass stories uh, to this room of Body Farm and Bone Zones fans, and one of the stories I told is how um, he boiled over uh, some body parts on a on a stove twice and had to buy his wife two new stoves. Rather than learn the first time, he's got a skull or head. No, no, a skull. It's obviously a fleshy head. And he puts it in a pot of water, puts it on simmer low, because who's going to forget that you've got a head simmering on the stove? Well, he did. And it boils over, and of course the stove stinks like death. So he had to get rid of that one. And then he does it again a few years later. <laughs> uh, I love the man, but don't invite him to a covered dish supper. <laughs> Or do, if you're going to stir it up. Well, he's, I enjoy, I've gotten to know him pretty well over the past 20 years uh, to the point where, you know, I work as his master of ceremonies and facilitator, you know, doing uh, the questions and answers when he's got a speaking engagement, which are few and far between nowadays. I mean, the man's 94 and a half. So he's, he's still got it, though. I heard him speak not too long ago. He's, yeah, just I, brilliant man. I just, in uh, his, his class, you know, I mean, I took that class. Um, when Ronald Reagan was president, I believe, is, mm. that was the era. And I still remember that class. I still remember uh, his high expectations of us, yeah. which, was, which is what I needed as a kid. And, but just how brilliant and interesting his lectures were. You know? Well, he started teaching at UT when Nixon was president in 71. He started the body farm, as we know it, in, when Reagan was president in 81. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, uh, retired in 90-something when Clinton was president. <laughs> so we got timelines for you. Yeah, I can help you out with that. Yeah. <laughs> that's some leftover Scholars Bowl uh, knowledge that that's, is stewing in there. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, well, anyway, so that's Dr. Bill Bass. Get the mer autograph merchandise, including the brand new long sleeve body farm tee at bonezones.com. Don't forget the S.
Good stuff. And then his co-writer, getting, as, while we're on the topic, um, John Jefferson was inducted into the East Tennessee Writers Hall of Fame to benefit Friends of Literacy in one of the early um, classes, one of the first groups to be brought in. Uh, I don't remember the exact year, but I was looking it up online, the list of inductees. And it's so amazing. Oh, wow. I know. If it's I go to, what is it, etwriters.org is the website. Um, so you want to buy your ticket to this lovely gala. Know that you're supporting the um, Friends of Literacy. And they do, some of the stuff they do is, obviously, number one is teach people to read. Okay, that's that's the, where they start. Right. But there's so much work they do with the high school equivalency exams and other things like that. Getting books in the hands of kids, similar to what Dolly does with her Imagination Library. Ways to just, proven ways of increasing literacy in our own community, just in East Tennessee. Uh, the other inductees this year are Catherine Landis, Bex Betsy Pickle, Donna Doyle, Steve Wildsmith. You probably know him pretty well. Yeah, I know. Be well, Betsy Pickle was my editor at the Daily Beacon. No kidding. She gave me my first writing gig ever. <laughs> well, I, well I, the, the Beard and High Bulldog Edition gave me Running. Yeah, but but she she uh, was my my editor. So I was oh, when, when I saw Betsy Pickle was going to be in there. I'm like, this is going to be great. And then yeah. R.B. and Scott, I think. Well, I'm going to mention also yeah. after Todd Steed is songwriting a lifetime achievement this year is Charlie Daniel, Thanks. and then Robert Cumming gets an outstanding contribution award. Um, Ashley Latimer is the Emerging Writer Award. Plus, there's some uh, posthumous inductees which I need to find on a different page because it includes my friend Brandon Gibson, yeah. the Everly Brothers. So you were saying that um, when you saw that Steve, what was it, uh, Betsy or Steve, or who else were you asking about? Yeah, Betsy. So Betsy was my editor at the Daily Beacon. Um, I went in there, you know, just like as like a little puppy. Yeah. And I said, I want to, you know, do music. And she's like, okay. And then she, and she had me go out and, you know, review Jimmy Buffett and Sean Anna and all these things. And write album reviews. And I thought, well, this is fun, you know. Yeah. I actually really like... I'm a songwriter, I guess, is my main writing, but I actually like really, I really like to write. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so that's another reason this is a, an important event for me uh, to, to always enjoy. And then uh, Steve Wildsmith, uh, you know, who's, yeah. he's actually, um, if, if you don't know Steve, he, I have a feeling his, whatever his speech is, is going to be great. I just, yes. just has this touch. Well, based on what he puts on social media, based on what he, um, I mean, you know, I've known him several years too because he's written articles about things I've done, mostly with the comedy improv of Einstein Simplified. Yeah. He's written about that or some other thing, you know, and um, yeah, he's, He's got an edge to him because of his personal life story. As he loves to talk about how he overcame his addiction. Or I guess he wouldn't say that. He would say recovering addict, right. even though it's been years and years, and he's a success story. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's and and it, and his writing on music is, you know, I'm really I'm picky about uh, reading music criticism mm -hmm. or, or whatever, just because I've been reading it for so long, and his stories are always just so engaging and he I, he always finds a way to make a new angle yeah um everly brothers i mean just to be you're in the same category yeah I, as I, the I, everly brothers i just don't even and scott miller yeah and RB, i mean just yeah. just to be in just be mentioned in along people yeah. like that is amazing yes i'm looking at the the songwriter dean dylan was brought in last year uh, the year before that, songwriting, which is one of the, they've added categories over the years yeah. and, and dropped some categories over the years. Um, Sarah Perkle 
was in songwriting. Karen Reynolds. Uh, yes. In there. There she is. Yeah. I think uh, I emceed that year that Karen Reynolds was inducted. I'm fairly confident because, um, oh yeah, that's good stuff. It was, it was it another is. one. Oh, Scott Miller. There he is. Yeah. I just, um, I, I just, I can't wait to see all these people. And, yeah. And the, and the event itself is so. It's like a party. It's, it's a pos it's a it's a pee pee, it's a positive party. <laughs> like I always come away, I'm not kidding. Like every time I walk out of that event, I, I always like want I, I find a book. Yeah. That I've never heard of from one of the people, and I go and and it's just it's, that's good. It's it's a fun it's a fun night, but it's just a wonderful group of people that that care about our community. Some of the authors even uh, will have copies available yeah. for you to purchase and have them sign it to you right there and then and there at the event. Right. And I'll be paying people to take my records. That's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to bring in about $300. So I'll be paying <laughs> people to like walk out and be seen with copies of certain albums. <laughs> now, so well. What is in the future for you in, on two fronts? Number one, Knoxville has now been declared one of the top 50 concert cities in America. Yeah. And there's just, I, mean, I, I was scrolling through, I was on one of my radio shows talking about when the KISS tickets go on sale. And I, so I went to Thompson Bowling Arena and I'm like, wait a minute, what? I, I knew all these people were coming, but it, when you see it all in a chronological list from now till the next six months, you're like, oh wow, that's, uh, that's, that's a lot. It's it's amazing, and, and those are just the big shows. I mean, you're you're you know all, working at WOT, you're aware of all the shows. Yeah, and I love the big shows, you know, the, and the little shows. But it's having grown up in Knoxville, uh, and when Jimmy Carter was president, mm -hmm. um, having to wait months for a good show to yeah. come through. You know, yeah. like okay, well, here's Muddy Waters with Eric Clapton. That was a real show. That was uh, Muddy Waters won that battle. That, that's on your bio as memorable shows. It's, or maybe it's, it was on your Facebook page. It's, all uh, of which I stalked. I did. I, I, in my quads, <laughs> I stalked. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's such a different experience now to having to pick on any given night, what am I going to do? Because there's five great things to do. Yeah. It's a great time to be here. And these festivals that are coming with the Big Ears Festival. I mean, David Byrne is coming for the Big Ears Festival. Yeah, and he's going to he's going to give a talk. So you can probably interview him because you're at WOT. I hope so. He, he he likes NPR. Yeah, yeah. And we like him. That's like David. <laughs> call me, interview. I'll, I'll pretzels, free pretzels. We'll have to add him in the description. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag David Byrne. I know you're I know you're stalking us. So. I, I became a, a David Byrne slash Talking Heads fan when that insane movie, True Stories, oh, came out. Yeah, it just blew my mind. I didn't know what to expect going into it. I'm like, it was wild. It's pretty goofy. Yeah. Well, so there's a lot of great things coming to Knoxville. And uh, Todd, you're a part of all that. What about the uh, Todd Steed and the Sons of... Fear. Fear. Yeah. Um, you know, when... when uh, did you remember that... The, did you hear about the pandemic? Did you get the, the I, um, note I put on your door warning you? You know, it was weird for me because I had a job that required me to actually still go during most of that. So it didn't, it felt, it didn't feel the same for me as it did for others. Does that make sense? Yeah. I still went to work every day. And I thought, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, yes, my life was, was affected in many other so ways. So you got the post-it note I put on your door. I, I like, did, yeah, but I still went out. You yeah, know? That's okay. We just had to be careful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that really put a screeching halt to playing live for a while. And I've never... 
quite gotten the band lubricated. Mm -hmm. I mean that in, in the musical sense. Yes. Um, it's usually Jack Daniels or was it Michelob? What do they drink? drink? A lot of tea. Actually. Tea? Okay. Yeah, in fact, uh, just, just so you. I've got some throat coat that I like. This is uh, Chinese poor cha. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to get back to it in the fall. And Nice. You know, I need to write some new songs, keep it fresh. Well, you got one out of this show. Yeah, Everywhere is Gone. Boom. Everywhere is Gone. It's <laughs> going to be good. If I say it's going to be good, then I feel. The, the, the needed amount of pressure to make it at least okay. See, I can understand the lyrics side of it. I mean, because it's kind of, to me, it's poetic. Uh, I, I can't write poetry, but I could write a, I mean, I could write a news article. I could, I could bang out a, a competent news article. My dad was a journalist before he became a PR guy. This was just ingrained in us at home from, you know, that's, that's, that was how he did things. You communicated clearly. But poetry and, and songwriting has a, obviously some obscurity to it on purpose and some double meanings on purpose. But the part that I cannot wrap my head around is, how do you come up with the notes? Why do you, I mean, I, I don't have a tune in my head. It's, you know, it's, I think it all starts with just listening a lot to a lot of music. And, you know, what's, what I've found is fascinating is because if you listen to a lot of music, it's in there. It's just a matter of, of, of figuring out how to get all that information into is something it, for you. Is it like me? I, I read and I write and I think about words all the time. And especially when I'm DJing, I have some fun in taking those same words that everybody else has, but arranging them in an order that amuses me. It's exactly what it is. Okay. It's exactly what it is. Like I'll deliberately say, um, you know, lightning flashing, thunder crashing, because, you know, bum, bum, bum. Mozart's go-kart. Yeah, as I'm trying to make a point about this thunderstorm we had the other day, you know, and I only have 12 seconds to say it over the intro of some disco song. It's fun. I like those challenges. What, what I found the most interesting about all of the, what we're talking about here is that I've, since I've been at WUOT and host, you know, I've, probably, I've been doing jazz shows since 2006, and I, I'm feeling on classical about... Yeah. I don't know, 30, 30 It's always fun. Year. It's always fun to hear you feeling unclassical. It's like, okay. I actually really love doing it. It's very challenging. Uh, I've grown to love classical music so much oh, I, more now than I, I ever did. I, I, I've always loved it, but now I feel like I have just so much more of it to draw from yeah. in general. But what I've noticed in songwriting is that since I've been, especially since doing the classical shows, is that the melodies that have been coming out when yeah. I'm writing are way different than the melodies that used to come out when I was listening to John Prine or the huh. Beatles or, or uh, Captain Beefheart or whatever. Um, but yeah, I've noticed, you know, I've noticed I'll play a melody and, and like another guy in the band will go, that's, that's like Ravel. Yeah. You know, or, or that's kind of like Bill Evans, the jazz piano player. You got to make sure they're dead long enough, though. Who's the guy who did All By Myself? Was it Eric Carmen? Yeah. And he ripped off Rachmaninoff to the point where he had to pay royalties to Rachmaninoff because Rachmaninoff was still alive and the song wasn't, although classical, you know, the, all, the melody the, from All By Myself is copy. And they, they gave him songwriting credit, Rachmaninoff. <laughs> it's like lifted. Well, they've a lot of pop people ripped off classical tunes. Yeah. And, and a lot of uh, film score composers. Hello, John Williams. Oh, yeah. Listen uh, to um, Star borrowed. Wars and what is it? Uh, Holst the Planets. Oh, yeah. And you'll be like, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like the Jupiter part. Yeah. Well, I think that's what that, that, that 
Rachmaninoff, you know, his last concert was Knoxville. Right there at Alumni Hall yeah. on the campus of the University of T yeah. Tennessee. I was just a kid. Franklin Roosevelt was president. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember it. I, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> there is a um, Knoxville death curse. And I think the ones who died in no after leaving Knoxville, either their last performance or something. You start with Hank Williams. Yeah. Uh, I guess you start with Rachmaninoff. I'm not sure the year who died first. Uh, and then there's um, Randy Rhodes. Rhodes. And we, you know, the whole time we lived in Burbank, we were friends with his sister, and I didn't know it because she's married. Her name is um, Dargencio. Uh, Jenna was in my son's class, and. Kathy Dargencio. So this, she's like a, a school mom, you know? Oh, yeah. And now she runs the, the Randy Rhodes um, Memorial Instagram account. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and she, she almost, almost looked the same. You know, there's a very strong family resemblance. And she's been our, with our friend for 10 years, and I didn't really have an appreciation for the fact that I would then move to the city where her brother's last concert was before he went and died in Florida before the next show. Wow. Um, there's this, um, and George, the, what, the George that's dead. Uh, not Harrison, but the country George that's dead. Jones. Thank you. Because I have multiple times uh, identified the living George and uh, gotten chastised for it. So thank you for helping me there. There was a writer, um, still, she still is a writer, uh, speak, speaking of writers, uh, Lithuanian-American uh, Ruta Sapitis, who writes a lot of um, books for young readers. And I interviewed her once on WUOT, and... I was asking what she did before she was a writer, and she goes, oh, I used to manage artists. I'm like, really? Yeah, like who? And she like goes, Lithuanian artists? Or? Steve Vai. Oh, wow. He's <laughs> in Crossroads. He played with Frank Zappa. Yeah, yeah. Da uh, David Lee Roth. But she was like, you manage Steve Vai? And she goes, yeah. And he was the guy who was like, if, you're, if your dream is to write a book, you should write a book. You should write a book. <laughs> and she goes, well, I don't know if I can do it. She goes, you should write a book. You should go out and do it. You're good. And that changed her career. So there you yeah. go. It's all weird how everything is... Eventually. Well, somebody has to light that fire under you, I think, That's sometimes right. in creative, like our song that we're writing, co-writing. Yeah. Um, I, I have been working on memoirs because somebody lit a fire under me two years ago to get started. And I'm up to, I'll say it here because I'm putting pressure on myself to get That's it done. Good. My goal is to get it done maybe by next year's Rose Glen Literary Festival. I don't know if I can pull that off, but I'll try. Wow. Um, I mean, I've got, you know, like 40-some yeah, thousand words which is that's impressive i need to get i think i need to get to seventy five thousand for it to count did you just pick forty thousand random words or do they no no you go sentences and things oh i did that too but i went to the google on the google it just you can or the Generate documents under the words. under the tools no under the tools is that you ask for the word count and it tells you how many you've written but, but there's I, a lot of um us ums ands ors you, know, you count those they well, have to the google doesn't know the difference between or and some important word alexa remove Conjunctions. I couldn't find conjunctions on your list. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> on that happy note, I think... <laughs> My book is done. Hers is just beginning. I'll, uh, I'll urge you, if you like books and you prefer to listen to your books, please go to audibletrial.com slash show. You can get a free 30-day premium membership to Audible. Listen to tens of thousands of books, and there's new ones coming out every week. All sorts of audiobooks, every conceivable concept. Plus, there is now custom audio entertainment. They're trying to horn in on our radio uh, that you can get only on Audible. 
And with that free 30-day premium membership, you get a monthly credit so that during that free time, you get one credit for an MP3 download, which means instead of streaming the books, you can keep one on your personal devices forever and ever and ever. So be sure to take advantage of that. And when you continue on as a premium member, you'll get another MP3 credit every month. You can use them per month or you can bank them because some of the things cost two credits or three I credits. Yeah. Oh, you know. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I've been listening to... Uh, some great ones lately. Odysseus. Oh, the really? Odyssey, the Odyssey. Yeah, like hardcore stuff. Yeah. That, well, that's the thing. It's like when I try to read, and I love to read, but that particular book, uh, I was like, I need help. I need help with that. I need someone to read this one out loud. Well, also they talk about it being uh, found time. Because, I mean, you're listening to this podcast. Similarly, it's easier to, sometimes to listen especially with the AirPods nowadays, which are, I mean, to me, remarkably convenient because it pauses when my wife calls. <laughs> I don't have to go fumbling for the phone any, or for the thing anymore to pause it manually. But um, whether you're listening on the Amazon Echo over there or on your uh, Audible app on your phone or the Apple CarPlay, wherever, it, it saves your spot. And you got a few minutes while you're driving downtown yeah, there's, you can listen to 10, 13 minutes. Like when you're going back to work today, it's a 13-mile drive. You can probably knock it out in 15 minutes, but you could listen to that much chunk of a thing. Yeah. You know? So there you go. All right. All right. Also, our merch is available at uh, frankandfriendshow.com slash store. I meant to bring over something. I meant to bring over the towel. Well, when Teresa's here, I'll bring it. But you do have the, I do have the mugs uh, that are visible. And of course, the, the canvas print. And there's uh, hats. There's bucket hats. There's uh, non- um, non-bucket hats. <laughs> I think just buckets. I think I need to just get regular buckets. I could use with the logo on them. They're very useful, the buckets. All sorts of things. But you can get those. And you're supporting the show, helping us uh, to... Uh, buy the pay for those rechargeable batteries or whatever else is that I need for supply-wise. Uh, and I thank you very much for uh, watching, listening, sharing, subscribing. Most of all, ringing that bell and subscribing on the YouTube. We are so, so very close to the 1,000 subscriber deadline uh, goal. Gotta get it. So if I can get Todd to subscribe, I'm in. That would, that's another benchmark right there. And then he can go, uh, while all the WOT hosts are on, lot, on the air, borrow their phones and secretly subscribe to the Frank and Friends show on YouTube. Do you mind? They will, they'll, they'll love it. I mean, especially like Melanie and Greg and those guys. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll be very excited about it. I'm, I'm all about pushing the right button. <laughs> That's what radio people do. <laughs> well, Todd Steed, I'll see you on March 24th at the East Tennessee Writers Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Congratulations on your songwriting award. Well earned and deserved. And you're in some fair, fairly wonderful com mm. company, rarefied company. Alexa, say thank you in Greek. Thank you. In Greek is... Efaristo. Efaristo. Well, how about that? Efaristo Poli. Oh, you're very welcome. And I, I actually had a song called Thanks Frank years ago. Well, that's, is it Frank Zappa? It was, it was, uh, well, I was living in, in Lithuania, where Ruta Septis's yeah. people are from. And it was, uh, it was, I was trying, I was like thanking Frank musically. It was an instrumental. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, the song oh. Frankenstein is also instrumental. Yeah, see? So there's two. <laughs> All right, this is the Frank and Friends Show. I'm Frank Murphy. I'm Todd Steve. And we'll talk to you again next time. How are you still?